fans, welcome to the hottest independent podcast on the basketball scene. Welcome to the Basketball Hour, and I am your host, Paul Abels. Joining me today on the show to talk all things basketball is my partner in crime. We'll call him the Rob Polinka to my David Griffin. That's ESPN Radio's very own Angelo Carriero. How are you? What's happening? I'm doing good. You sound really relaxed. I'm so, dude, I'm so happy we're doing this podcast. I'm just so happy. <laughs> me too, me too. So let's get on that briefly, and then we can do some talk. Uh, so listeners out there, thank you. We appreciate you for tuning in. This podcast was alive and well a few years ago, and we went about 20 or more episodes through the 2017-18 NBA season and offseason. I think that's the one where uh, Kyrie got traded to Boston. Anyway, I made the tough decision to focus on grad school, and so I – we see the podcast until I graduated. And I graduated now. So that's great. Uh, but the layoff from this podcast really sucked. Uh, kind of like how Magic Johnson did in last year's free agency. Except for Magic. That was, or, or except for LeBron. That was a good one. But everything else is just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But uh, anyway, now I've graduated. And Angelo, you're finally getting what you've been begging for for, geez, what, 18 months? Dude, I am so excited. I'm just ready to get into it, man. Cool. Me too. Well, let's get right into it then because the M1 Basketball Hour podcast is back. And what a big show we're diving back into as the long-awaited Anthony Davis trade saga. Guess what? It's over, Angelo. It's over, finally. Uh, I know. It was crazy, man. Even though it was coming, it still blew me away. Like, I was shaking. I was like, oh my goodness, it happened. I hope you're literally shaking. That would be actually kind of worrisome. Uh, so the trade <laughs> the trade between L.A. and New Orleans it went down. And just, I want to say, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this deal. We've been saving our thoughts for this podcast for a couple of days. So let me hear it. Man, I really think that the Lakers needed to get Anthony Davis, and everybody's kind of killing Understatement? Him. What? Understatement. <laughs> what? Everybody's been killing him. Everybody's been saying that they gave up too much, all these first-round picks, blah, blah, blah. The ultimate hardest thing to do in the NBA is getting an elite player. Like, to, look at Toronto getting Kawhi Leonard. They were like... We can get this guy, even if it's just for a year, we're built to handle this now. You don't get these opportunities often. And no matter what it took the Lakers to give up, they were using those assets to get a guy of Anthony Davis's caliber. And they got him, the, the Anthony Davis. And not only – see, Paul, I think they should do this trade even if they didn't have LeBron. Because I don't really believe in the guys that they have, or at least to get to Anthony Davis's level. So not only to me with LeBron, it's a no-brainer. I would even have done it if you didn't have LeBron. Because that's what it takes to get a guy that's, what, 26-year-old? And he's already on path to be arguably one of the top ten big men of all time. That's an interesting take and unique. I've not heard anyone talk about the fact that... Would they do this even if they didn't have LeBron? My counter is that I think as a LeBron fan, what's kind of hard to accept is some of the negatives, maybe some of the negative perceptions about him. Um, he's obviously a very divisive figure, uh, and I think he's one of the greatest players ever. But when he goes somewhere, he's like a virus, and he's, he, he takes over, right? 
and the whole organization. And it seems like every team's future is completely sabotaged in order to to win right now with LeBron. Um, and I mean, and it's worked to you know varying results, right? He's won three titles and whatnot. Um, so not to say that it's a terrible strategy, but okay. I think this deal actually has like in terms of we'll get into the official stuff with the the, the draft consideration and things. I think it completely has LeBron <laughs> in mind with this. Um, well, I here's think the that thing. It, this is the thing that bothers me when people say that or that the Lakers gave up too much. He's not a veteran. I, I want to go back to what you said about LeBron handicap and the places he's been. Look at Miami. When LeBron left, they had Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade signed under contract. If Chris Bosh doesn't get a career-ending blood clots, that team's still fine. Like, they're fine. They have a, they had two all-stars. They're set to make whatever Ooh. run they can build around Bosh. Bosh wow. had that sickness, and that ended his career. Not LeBron's fault. Go to Cleveland. Cleveland, yes, they gave up a lot of asset, tanked their salary capped, he left. But if Kyrie doesn't leave, then you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. They're set. That was on Kyrie leaving, and they still have Kevin Love. It's just their you know salary cap is terrible. So LeBron, <laughs> he just set him up for his post-prime. Hang on. So first, there's two words I, I would like for you to define for me. If you could define the word fine, and if you could define the word, what was it, uh, set up. Um, you mentioned that with Miami and Cleveland. So Miami, let's go back to the end of that fourth finals that they had where the Spurs offense ran them out of the gym. You wanted to find that Dwayne Wade as an all-star. That was already the declining Dwayne Wade. And, and from there, Wade fell off a cliff. Um, that was like a fringe playoff team. It was Bosch and a bunch of old dudes. And actually, this is what happened, or this is what has happened throughout LeBron's career. He, uh, the, the future of the team, like future picks, young players, uh, cap-friendly players, <laughs> you know, young guys like an Andrew Wiggins or someone who could grow and improve over time, all of that is thrown out the window. And instead, it's max salaries for a couple stars, and then it's minimum contracts for, uh, to bring on some, you know, ring-chasing free agents and stuff. Uh, who you hope they're not on their last gasp, and then he leaves, and then the future is gone. Like, and even mentioned with uh, Kyrie and in Cleveland, like Kyrie under contract is fine. Kevin Love, I don't know. I wouldn't say that's a that's a positive asset to me, but anyway. But he's still look. an all star, and if Kyrie Irving's there, they're a playoff team. With Chris Bosh, even though Wade wasn't an all star, I still think that team could was a playoff team, even if it's an eight seed, seven seed. And well, yeah, they don't have first round picks, but these guys are in their prime. You don't need first round picks. So let's like, move look on. at Toronto. They didn't need young guys, first round picks. They had their guys. So go out, get Marcus all go out and get uh Serge Ibaka, like start building a win now team. And that's what they could have done, even though they didn't have yeah. those first round picks. No, no. So, so to move on from this point, um, I just find it interesting because to me it's like, well, this is a LeBron kind of trade again. But let's let's see what the Lakers actually got, right? So they got Anthony freaking Davis. <laughs> um, I don't know who's a bigger fan of his uh, between you or uh, you or me. Probably both in different I ways. I think you're more of the Kentucky fan side of him, and I'm more of the fan of like uber NBA talent, Anthony Davis. I think we can both agree that he could become the best player in the league. I think he's been very close to it at times, mm-hmm. and 
No, no, legacy. Look, this reminds me of when Kareem got traded to the Lakers. I think it's that potential caliber oh, of a oh, move. Oh. That's what I've said before. This is Magic joining Kareem only in the opposite skill set. Like Kareem was the aging star while Magic was the the injected youth and now LeBron, a Magic-esque player, is the aging star and now you're getting prime Kareem in Anthony Davis. See, that is prime unique content right there. And what? And <laughs> no, what? No, it's good. That's a good point. Um, it is. So I will say this, first of all, Lakers and Anthony Davis, can we both agree that on court, those two together are just made for each other? <laughs> like, it took uh, – what, oh. what season is LeBron James in? I believe it will be 17. It took 17 seasons to get a guy that truly fit LeBron James's like skill set. And no disrespect to Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade's great. But even then, we all – everyone kind of commented, like, well, they kind of overlap a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which they did. Uh, Davis can – God, what can he do? What can he do? He can attack the rim. He can dribble. He can shoot the three. He's an excellent like mid-range shooter. He's killer from that. Mm-hmm. He has a post game. He can score from anywhere. But also, criminally important to <laughs> old man LeBron is the fact that he can defend. He's now, unbelievably defensively. He's yeah. arguably the best defensive player in the league. Well, I think he has the potential to be the best one in the league. Um, like I would say that Embiid or Giannis or maybe – No, I'd still take Davis. Well, the only guy well, you well, can here's defense is Kawhi. Or Oga Bear. No. But here's my thing. I think Davis has the potential to be the best. I think him coming to L.A., he will actually need to rely more on his defense. Or, or he'll need to be a better defensive force here. Um, he doesn't have to score 29 points a game. He can. That'd be great. But LeBron's there. And they'll, Kuzma's there. And they'll have some other players. Um, he really needs to be the defensive anchor. And if he can do that, whew, yeah, no, and I agree, oh. and, I, and the reason why I was saying that about AD, especially in the Gobert case and even in the Embiid case, like, his ability to actually guard on the perimeter is underrated. Like, he can switch, and it's not like, oh, Lord, they're against, you know, like, Rudy Gobert gets switched on the perimeter, it's not really a contest. Davis can. Yeah. You know, and, so. and you're, but you're right. I agree with what you're saying. Everybody's looking at this maybe from the offensive fit, but... Los Angeles' defense just pretty much broke average with one addition. And it's a huge deal because yes. I think in today's NBA, the game's changing. You need to have an elite offense. Anthony Davis and LeBron James, uh, and hopefully hopefully Rob Palenka signs some logical, reasonable free agents. Time will tell. <laughs> you got to prove it to me first. But I'm, uh, I, I'm interested yeah. to see where you think they should go. But – but LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that's the core of a potential like league-leading offense. As long as they can have a, an average defense, you know, with, with which they can certainly get with some uh, – even some cheap minimum players, you know. An average defense and an elite offense with those guys, that's where they need to get to. Um, if they do, they can win a title. I'm not ashamed to say it. I think they're the front runners right now. Even with only five players and two of them are Mo Wagner and uh, Isaac Bonga, I truly think that these the this talent pairing is special. Like the only one I would 
compare it to is like Durant Curry and be, even though they had a better team around him, I'm just saying it's special. It is. Where I'm going to disagree with you is I'm going to wait to call them title favorites because they could go out again and just sign equivalent to Rayshon Rondo, Lane Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley. Rayshon, no problem. Ray, <laughs> no, Rayshon saying, with Anthony what? Davis was fantastic in New Orleans. No, I you know. I'm just saying. I know what you're saying. Last year's offseason was a disaster. No Lance Stevenson this time, please. Uh, thank you. No Michael Beasley. But – if they can go and surround them, yeah, we'll see. But the uh, only thing I know is Clay Thompson's still going to come back, hopefully, from the ACL. And him and Curry and Draymond together, you know, that's pretty formidable. But uh, they got some competition in the West. Now, I want to move on to the Pelicans real quick. Um, yes, this is where this is. Where do we do, I, I think we're going to disagree. I think they got one of the great hauls ever in these superstar deals. Do you disagree? It's... It's a yes and no. I think I'm I'm more against the people saying that the Lakers gave up too much slash lost the trade than I am saying that the Pelicans did a good job. Uh, but I don't love their haul necessarily. Like the picks and stuff, I get it. You just don't know what those are going to be. Because yeah. – why don't you go ahead and detail the trade? Yeah. So in exchange for – just Anthony Davis, <laughs> one guy. We're going to do a Herschel Walker type deal here, almost. Um, in exchange, the Pelicans received Lonzo Ball, Lavar Ball. That's a negative asset. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brandon, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number four overall pick in this week's 2019 NBA draft. They also receive the. This is this is confusing. They received the 2021 Lakers pick it's, it's reverse protected yes in top eight so that if the pick falls in the top eight basically we're saying if lebron and ad get hurt and they fall off uh and they finish in the top eight then the pelicans get it otherwise uh the pick conveys um unprotected the next year to the next year right now that's a big deal because if this pick conveys in 2022 that is the rumored first year of um, the NBA draft bringing back high school players. Right. So if that happens, that's that's a boon for um, for New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Also, they have a first round swap right with LA in 2023, um, and there's an unprotected 2024 pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that pick, the Pelicans can basically opt to delay it if they want until 2025. Now, with all this. These late picks, which I've never heard of, I've never heard of that. Where a team can say, mm, "We don't yeah. like that one. We want the next year's." I heard uh, just from another uh, article that it was the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks had a trade with that uh, in the last few years. And it was like a small player deal, and they had one of these delays on the selections. Hmm. But it's very rare, and it's interesting because basically in twenty twenty four, let's say that the Pelicans they can wait and find out after lottery what that pick becomes. And let's say it becomes like pick number twenty-four. They can say, "Well, we'll wait till twenty-two and five. Just take and, the risk, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, here's the thing: essentially, boil all the numbers and the years down to it. David Griffin and the Pelicans are placing a big old bet. They're taking all. They're taking their chips. They're shoving them into the table. And what they're betting is that sometime between, like, let's say twenty twenty-one and twenty twenty-five, the Lakers are going to screw up. Which that's what they're would- saying. Which would coincide with Anthony Davis. Let's see. 
We said so the last year they could get a pick is twenty. You said twenty five, right? Yeah. So that's six Anthony Davis's. Seasons. Go ahead. Six seasons from now, so Davis would be like thirty one, thirty two. Yeah, the guy's gonna be thirty two. Oh. What, yeah, look at all of that massive risk they're taking. Unless Anthony Davis has a catastrophic injury, the guy's still going to be a freaking shooting star. He'll be Kevin, Dur- Kevin He'll be a comet. Kevin Garnett in like 08 is what you're going to get by that time. So I'm not really that worried about it as long as Anthony Davis is healthy. That's and you're not, the risk. And you're not worried, though, about LeBron. Obviously, well, well – probably not be in Tom Brady and retiring by then. Um, also, here's the thing, too. I just – I'm going to say this right now on this first reboot of the show. I am praying, Angelo, for something to happen that just, – just for the hilarity of it, and it goes against my lifelong like uh, life or LeBron supporting and fandom. I like LeBron. I'm saying that out right now. But just for the hilarity – what if things this coming year, for some reason, just don't work out? And in the offseason, what if Anthony Davis leaves? What if he bolts into free agency? Then this trade becomes like the worst one ever. <laughs> it would. I, I don't, don't think the happen. NBA would allow it to happen. <laughs> they would just be like, nope, sorry, Anthony. You're in L.A. the rest of uh, your career. Because it mean, would absolutely submarine the team. But I'm just saying Come on, that'd be funny. Yeah, I mean, it'd it'd be, would it would be, be a little, it would be funny. tragic. I know you hate the Lakers because you're a Pacers fan, and they're always, you know, trying to take I your think... players or take a title from you. But don't be petty. They didn't get Paul George, but we didn't either. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not a Lakers fan just because Kobe uh, irritated me, and I was just jealous of him and all the Jordan comparisons. But uh, that's all. It would just be funny if that happened, but it won't. I know. Uh, surely L.A. has to have some assurances that Davis is going to stay there. Um, but yeah, no. Ultimately, ultimately, hold on. We can both agree on this, right? You get the superstar, ninety-five percent chance you're going to win the deal. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I, so I agree with that. LA for short term wins the deal, but that doesn't mean though that I think out of all these teams, like the Magic back when they dealt Dwight, um, the Carmelo trade, you know, to New York, or all these trades, I think out of all of them, the Pelicans did about as well as they could. For me. Getting Lonzo, I actually am excited for that pairing because they're getting Zion. And actually, that brings up a point you and I did discuss earlier. How we view this trade, I think, actually varies or relies upon the fact that the Pelicans are getting Zion. If they happen to get the second or third or fourth pick, then we're looking at this trade and it's like, well, I mean, they get some good players and picks, but they don't have a superstar. They don't have a franchise cornerstone, right? Mm-hmm. So I will say, like, be- it's really just because they're getting Zion, that's where we're all like, oh, wow, they did great. And can I interject, please? Yeah. No. This is- Shut up. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's the problem with what the Pelicans got back. Because if this trade was done without Zion, you're not sure of anything, and that's why I don't think the Lakers risked anything. Well, they I mean, obviously the future of the first-round picks. If Davis has like a Chris Bosch-like injury, it's going to be really harmful. But what the Lakers told you and what the Pelicans told you by asking for so much is that Brandon Ingram isn't going to be a star. And there are people around the league, especially current players, that think Brandon Ingram is going to be the truth. And I have never seen it. 
And I and I don't not believe in the guy or when he was coming out of college, but I've watched him for three years now, and there's nothing that believes leads to for me to believe that he's going to be an all star. So that right there, again, just shows me that the actual pieces they got back didn't really mean much. Now I believe in Lonzo. I think Lonzo can be an all star. Uh, I had him as the number one player in 2017. That's not worked out so far, but we'll see. Hopefully, him with throwing lobs to Zion is going to help him a lot. And then you got Josh Hart. Okay, you know, like nice piece. But that's where I have that problem, and why the Zion thing kind of protects everything. And then you can use those assets to flip for something else. But that—that's the thing. I'm not a big believer in Brandon Ingram, and that's kind of what it hinges this all on. I'm processing my thoughts, so. That on, on the surface, that sounds ludicrous, but in my soul of souls <laughs> deep down, I think I agree with you. I'll actually say that the best asset in the deal to me is Lonzo Ball. And coming from a diehard Deer and Fox supporter who cheered him on every second of the way when he just demolished Lonzo in college, I'm a believer in Lonzo as a pro. And I think he's the best asset, personally. Um, Briefly why I think that with Zion, first of all, that's perfect. He, he He's a player that will get Zion the ball in his spots, in transition, in the half court, all the time. I love it. But secondly, as a perimeter defender, he and Drew Holiday together, man, they're going to form a just a sick, like frightening backcourt defensively. If, and they, actually, if they are there. If Lonzo's well, still there by the end of the draft. This is true. And also, if Drew Holiday's still there. I mean, personally, he's not on their timeline. But they may want to keep him around as a veteran presence for a couple oh, years. Sure. To kind of help him contend. Um, but I'll just say this. I think that Lonzo excels more as an off-ball defender. And Drew kind of excels more as an on-ball. I think they can complement each other really well there. Plus, Lonzo's a good rebounder. Um, so I, I just really think that I'll say overall for Lonzo, for Ingram, for Hart, um, they're going to a better basketball situation than they were in LA. They were in a fiasco, a clown show, a circus. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they play with a guy in LeBron who tried to get him traded <laughs> and they can't trust. I really think going to a smaller market, um, away from the crazy media, away from no offense, maybe some offense meant the ludicrous Lakers fans who just are. Think that they are entitled to greatness. Just saying, that's it's a thing. It um, seemed like a lot of their fans supported the young guys, though. I, I, I think they're happy that today. <laughs> oh yeah, they're definitely um, much more pumped now than they were. No, but like I just think that out of that spotlight, and then playing with a guy like Zion, and, and then and it appears too that New Orleans is putting together an entire front office and staff that that on the surface seems much improved from the trainer medical trainer they got from the Phoenix Suns to come over to having David Griffin to bring in uh, Swing Cash and WNBA. They're putting together finally a smart front office too. I think that as basketball players, they're going to develop better. And our number two pick with a lot of potential, all he needs to do is just, you know, be healthy and form a jump shot. If they're Uh, smart, they'll try to flip Ingram right away for something. So you mentioned. I just think Ingram's a worse version of Zion. Ingram does the same thing that Zion does, only not as well. Sorry, I I really tried to just override your voice and get that audio out of the podcast. Let's just 
get that out of here. We're not comparing Zion to Ingram. Good lord. Oof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm really curious to see what they could do because I, do you want me to save this trade idea that I have because it's going to involve draft picks and stuff? Do you want me to save it for the NBA uh, draft preview portion? Yes. Yeah, let's do that, but I'm looking forward to that. But just real quick, I want to react to what you said. You mentioned that Ingram was uh, not even talked to asset. So I was just explaining, like, Lonzo, I think, is the number one asset. After that, I'm not so sure that this number four overall pick is the second best, only because this draft, I just, it's such an unknown in terms of the quality and stuff. Uh, they could land the stud at number four, and that's a great, that's a great pick. Um, I will say if they happen to trade it and acquire some value, then that becomes really good. Um, now, yeah, it's probably the second best asset. And then I would say even over Ingram as the third best asset, it's controlling the next four years after that of the <laughs> Lakers franchise, just collectively owning that four-year span. And then uh, it's just Ingram. Dude, we just – we don't know. I yeah. mean, that's it. No one can say how good he's going to be. We have no idea. And he's Plus really you're young. you're going to have to so. pay him soon. I, I would say that Ingram right now is probably the fourth asset to me. Number one would be Lonzo. Number two would be the fourth pick. Number three would be the 2021 the slash 2022 <laughs> draft pick. Yeah. Because it's in that high school class, then Ingram, and then right. whatever those future picks could be. It's a lot. So uh, It's a lot. They did a good job of getting it's, – it's like this. They, get a, they did a good job of getting a lot – but I could also see this trade coming down to like they received really nothing. I could well, see that unless they flip. More as a contra- as a contrast, if instead the Pelicans had traded Davis to Boston and just simply received Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, and like a pick, would you say then that's a better deal because they get Jason yes. Tatum? Yes. And that's and I think that's a fair. Uh, we don't know for sure, but like that's a fair statement because you're getting something that you believe Tatum's great. The other guys, we don't know. It is a lot of potential, um, and I agree. But I'm excited for the – I'll say this. I am very excited for the future of Pelicans basketball, mostly because of Zion, but also I just – I see now a framework around him that I I think makes some sense. And so far, they are starting off building a team around Zion more successfully than they did with Davis. Now, we'll see how it turns out. We have a long time to find out. But I am at least intrigued and excited by the initial direction they're going. Um, and more in the short term, I'm excited to see Anthony Davis and LeBron James play together. Bring it on. Yes. And so. I'm excited to see who they're going to get. Like, what are they going to do in free agency? How much money are they going to have? What are the possibilities? Yeah. So funny you ask. That's a great question that apparently the Lakers front office doesn't even know uh, how much space they're going to have. <laughs> there has been some talk, and, and I think most, a lot of fans, we've heard about this now, coming out after the trade is that the timing of the deal will <laughs> really play a, a significant portion into the Lakers offseason. And not just this offseason, but really significant into their chances of winning a title and taking advantage of LeBron while he's still healthy and all that. So if this trade goes down and is executed in July or on July 30th, and if that happens, the Lakers can get a maximum of $32 million. That is just enough 
to to bring. Sorry, I was trying to say a word. The word out. I tried to bring a uh, a max free agent, uh, either Kimba Walker, oh, Kyrie Irving. You know what's or the Butler. silliest thing about that though? What free agent is waiting until then? Well, no, no. So basically, like until then, the Lakers have plenty of cap space to sign someone, and then after they would execute this deal on July 30th uh, and then like Davis comes in and then they're fine. Oh, but I had a misconception of what that meant. Yeah, okay, no, and now but, I'm now I'm seeing because so essentially the, thing, the Lakers would have to pick who the Pelicans want at four. Yeah, again, the Pelicans not controlling that pick to make the trade they want. Bingo. Wait, are they? Yeah. No, no, hold on. Hold on. I was only halfway into it. Okay. <laughs> These are good questions. This is all really big. So the timing is huge. If it becomes a July 30th trade, then technically speaking, Anthony Davis and his contract is still on the books for the Hornet. Or, uh, sorry, the Pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, no, it's hey, it's New Orleans, dude. I grew up with them with a different franchise. First so. episode, I understand. No, just saying. It's, that's why New Orleans, I always have to catch myself like, Pelicans, yeah, right. <laughs> um, uh, so – his salary would still be on the Pelicans book. Um, that, which in turn means that would negatively impact the Pelicans cap space of free agency. We don't know if they're going to chase, you know, certain free agents, but that would impede them. Uh, also the Lakers, like you said, would basically make the number four pick for New Orleans, but the New Orleans wouldn't be able to control that pick. And if they wanted for example, let's say they wanted to trade it to Atlanta for like number eight and ten. They, they they couldn't do that. So there's a lot of negatives in that timing for New Orleans. Now, on the flip side, if this deal goes down, I think it would be um, like July 6th. 6th. Yeah. In that case, the, the trade uh, – or sorry, the salary for the Lakers goes down to as low as $23 million, or right around that range. Um, and that's not enough to bring – a Kyrie, a Kimba, a Jimmy Butler. That's enough to bring in maybe a few good role players um, or like an aging veteran, but it would not be a max player. Now, also, there's a fluctuation of $4 million at play because Anthony Davis has a trade uh, bonus that kicks in if he gets traded, and it's $4 million. So uh, it's, it's kind of odd because people have brought up like, well, maybe he'll decline his trade bonus. From what I've heard, that never happens. And also, Clutch, you know, his his agency would look pretty bad if they, uh, in order to help the Lakers, if they asked their client to pass up four million free dollars yeah, uh, of a bonus to goes to him. That's up to Anthony Davis if he wants to help him build a team. Kevin Durant took less to go to Golden State. It's part of like team building. That's not to me. Oh, no, no. Clutch association with no, the no. It's a personal choice. I'm just saying, uh, people. I, I doubt that he would get, uh, you know, advice from Clutch because Clutch owns the Lakers. Come on, they now own LeBron and they Andrew do. Davis. I just don't think they would advise him. Hey, decline that money. That would just be purely on Davis's own accord. But that's four million dollars, man. That's that's like a room exception almost. I mean, that's a quality player. To add to the bench. Listen to you, room exception. Like we are so deep into the weeds hey, with this stuff, man. No, you and I learned some stuff. Um, so basically, the timing—if it goes down, what's expected is like July sixth. The Lakers really screwed themselves because they can't add that third star. Well, 
dude, this is what I'm thinking. I was sitting here say, thinking that the fourth overall pick was going to be such a flippable asset for the Pelicans, but now they can't even move it. It would be predicated on the Lakers picking who the Pelicans want, which obviously is going to happen, but then you're hoping that whoever you would hypothetically trade that pick to is going to act in good faith and not uh, recounter the deal. Right. So now what, what we're wondering, what people are kind of wondering is – was has this timing already been discussed and therefore that's why maybe the Lakers gave additional future draft pick consideration like the swaps and you know in the future unprotected picks so maybe this has already been discussed because maybe they've asked New Orleans hey you know can you do the later timing to give us more cat space and in return New Orleans will likely ask for more well yes we'll do that but it hurts us, so give us more. Uh, we just don't know if that's the case or not. I think we'll find out shortly uh, in the next day or two, supposedly, when this timing. But long story short, a lot of details. The difference is either they can add a Kyrie, a Butler, a Kimba, or they can't. <laughs> and, and, dude, that's Do not a small decision. Like, they have a three-year window to take advantage of LeBron, right? And also just to maximize this year when the NBA is wide open, with the Warriors and their unfortunate injury history and stuff, the title is there. I mean, <laughs> that is a big deal if, you know, for $9 million to determine whether or not they can add a sorely needed perimeter scorer creator or not. Right. And my question for you is do they want to get a max guy? Would you right. want to get a max guy or would you rather build the team out? Yeah, it's tough with one players. It's tough because, uh, I mean, I would lean towards, I would take a star if it's going to be Kyrie or Kimba because they sorely now need a, a crater, a scorer at the guard position. They don't have, I don't think they have a guard on the roster at all. But if they can get one of those guys, I'd take them because it's it's a need that is, that needs to be taken care of. Also, you may have cap space to sign some role players, and that's great, but let's just say Maybe they decide to add, you know, a couple of nice role players and like let's bring on Patrick Beverly and he'll be fine, you know, we'll get him cost effective. Maybe all of a sudden Patrick Beverly turns old next year. It just, you know, goes down. There's risk involved with these role players. They could become really smart, savvy picks, or Trevor Ariza, you know, could be a good pick. Or they could not. I think when you're getting a star, you know what you're getting, um, and you're raising your ceiling. And we've also seen that you can find a lot of value on like the minimal contract level from these veterans, because if they add a third star, dude, all of these, you know, quality older players, they'll be signing up to come to LA. And you know what? I kind of have to agree with you on this front too. If they get whoever for a four or five year deal, or if it's even a three and one, you're now planning that next phase after LeBron. Who do you want to play with Anthony Davis going into his late prime? Kyrie Irving. (laughs) <laughs> right or or Kimba or even Butler, so I would do that. Um, but I'm just saying, man, if they if they only get 23 million because of timing, they could have screwed themselves and they could mess this whole thing up. Because even with just those two guys, it helps. But they bad they don't they don't have a backcourt <laughs> starting. They really only have 23 million potentially to fill out the rest of their roster. Um, the only thing the Lakers can do also, we'll just mention this, and I think they've been kind of transitioning after. Um, they have Kyle Kuzma. 
And I think Kuzma fits nicely in with LeBron at the three and Davis hopefully being okay to play at the five, you know, to accept playing at the five. I think he should. Right. Uh, Kuzma's nice. I think you need offense and he helps to give offense and take a load off all those guys. However, he's not, you know, he's not a defender. No one's going to mistake him for that. So let's say they play the season for, you know, up to the trade deadline. The nice thing they can do is they can assess the fit of Kuzma. He has some value. Uh, so perhaps they could trade him at the deadline if it's not going to work out and they can get, you know, a better fitting player, whoever that might be. So they do have some remaining value with him, but that's it. So well, they have Kuzma and then hopefully some good signings. Well, number one, did you hear the rumor about that Kawhi's more interested in playing for the Lakers now that they have Davis? I don't believe that. Okay, fair. You know, it, I just it, don't. Or, Dude, and, he and ended. He's, think, go ahead. I know. It's, it, he's ended two three-peats. He's now weighing claim to the best title, you know, the title of like the best player in the world. Um, I just speakers just end up as AD, LeBron, and then a bunch of role players. I I still personally would probably prefer the Raptors next year if they keep Kawhi. Uh, at minimum, I think it'd be a great series. So it'd be a great series. I'll, I don't I'll think that. I don't think Kawhi needs to go to LA. He can go to the Clippers, but I don't think those are Lakers. It'd be all. interesting to see too if. Durant, and I don't know why he would leave Golden State to do a one-and-one, but if he, like, signed with the Lakers and you see what they do next year, just having fun with it, just kind of poking around. So those are the two free agents that that haven't been associated with him that they could consider. Here's some fun scenarios. We're talking about these max guys. You've got Kyrie, you've got Kemba, you've got Jimmy Butler. I wonder if there are any tier B free agents that would take like a pay cut to go there. Like maybe Kimba, I don't see it. Tobias Harris kind of redundant. He's Kyle Kuzma, but I'm thinking like, what about Chris Middleton? He hasn't been a star. He hasn't been there. You don't think he'd take 23 million and accelerate from there to be a part of a potential dynasty, you know, get a paycheck later. That's actually an intriguing player because I don't personally don't think the Lakers need um, like ball dominant players. They, they need shooters and they need like kind of your intangible guys, your glue guys. Middleton's a glue guy like that, you know. Yeah, he can he fits hit your well. corner shot. He can def- he can take some defensive pressure off of LeBron on the wing because let's be real, LeBron hasn't really been defending the. A whole lot lately. <laughs> they kept the one guy that shoved him into a defender last year in Kuzma. Yeah. So, yeah. And the other thing with Middleton, too, is he kind of fills that second playmaker role as yeah. a perimeter scorer. I okay. just think, yeah, it'd just be interesting if he would leave Giannis. Well, well listen to this. Let's say they offer him the max and they resign him. Uh, the Milwaukee resigns Middleton. Why not go poach Brogdon? Oh, I think actually Brogdon would be a great player for them to get. Fantastic. Like, oh, no. That's exactly the kind of player they need. Uh, that kind of an underrated name. He's a true combo guard. Really good ball handler. Great shooter. He can also create a little bit and score. And he can pass. No. I think if they got a player like Brogdon, that'd be excellent. And Truly. he's a 50-40-90 guy last year. Jeez. Rookie of the year. See? Rookie of the those, year, Malcolm See, those Brogdon. voters, those voters weren't wrong. <laughs> so, 
out of all the guys that we've talked about and all the intriguing fits, none of them would be the first guy I call at what is it, 6 p.m. on June 30th this year? Okay. It is not that is not the first. None of those guys are the first guy I'd call. The very first call I make is to JJ Reddick. And I asked JJ, like, what will it take for you to be on this team? Can we find a way to get you here on a deal that helps us get the guy that we want as well? But we'll pay it down the road. We'll get you this nice spot in downtown L.A. You don't have to worry about eating expenses. Like, all of that. I think J.J. Redick is the perfect fit for this team. I thought he was actually – he's playing the best basketball of his career. And I think he's – I just think he's really excellent right now. And for his shooting ability and his off-the-ball movement to get himself open for three, you're getting this version of LeBron's team's Ray Allen. And that's the guy that I really think they need to focus on getting is J.J. Redick. I can't disagree with you. I just think that'd be a great player for them to get. A dead eye shooter, yeah. You know who can who can play some de- some team defense and, and help out. And let Certainly. me get you about this real quick. Wow, he scored eighteen points a game last year. Holy cow! I didn't know it was that much. So this is the thing. JJ Redick, if you haven't noticed, is like on the ringer. He has podcasts, and he's becoming kind of a he's satellite to like major sports media. Okay, which is strange for me as a UK fan. Like, I hated that guy in college, and now I've listened to his podcast, and he's actually really insightful and smart. Darn well, it, so, <laughs> he's he's winning me over. <laughs> so, what's the best way to further your post playing career? What gives you the most value? Um, well, let's be, dude, star in Space Jam Two. <laughs> Come star on, star in Space Jam Two. Just be an insider for your post-playing career on the LeBron AD era Lakers. You don't think he'll have a job in sports media the rest of his life? He would. I was kind of half kidding with you, but I was also saying they could call him and say, look, um, we'll sign you to whatever publicly in the NBA. We can also pay you $6 million if you want to star in Space Jam 2. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, pay LeBron you in other to, ways. LeBron needs to use that movie budget. <laughs> to, fill, to help fill out the roster. Um, that'd be funny. So I guess the option to me is is that... But you know, no, no, hold on, sorry. JJ doesn't have a title ring. He's, he's been chasing one in Philly, so I think it'd be perfect sense for him to exactly. go that Exactly. So to me, it, unless he signs for the absolute minimum, you can either go a couple different ways. Try to get Redick and get a guy like Brogdon if Middleton takes the max, which I'm sure someone will offer Brogdon more than the Lakers can. But you get a max guy, minimum the rest of the team out. You try to go after like one of the tier B guys and see if you have a little bit left over for a second guy. Or you can go like, we'll give JJ his money, Terry Rozier, and Marcus Morris, for an example. Or uh, Corey Joseph would be nice. And I think Patrick Beverly would be great, actually. I know he's going up there in age, but he would defend. He can still shoot a bit. Uh, he's extremely competitive in the playoffs. That's what I like about Rozier. I think if they were able to get Redick and Rozier, there's your starting lineup. You've got Terry Rozier, a second playmaker on the ball, and he proved that he can play in the playoffs last year with Boston when they went on that run. You've got J.J. Redick, who can play off the ball, Kuzma, spot-up shooter, and Braun AD. Yeah. And that team complements each other 
and then you can afford a sixth man, fill it out with minimums from there. But as we see in the playoffs, like Toronto kind of showed that you don't absolutely have to have three superstars. And if you can get a team that complements each other like that team would, I almost would rather take the gamble, like give JJ what he needs, give Terry Rozier what he needs, and use the rest of the money for a third guy like you said, Pat Bev or someone like that, and then just minimum the rest of the team and go from there. Yeah. Yeah, no, if they can find the right guys, I think that would be a great strategy. So uh, it's just I'm curious to see will they have 23 million or 32 and uh, million and That's the difference, difference, big difference. So a lot Real of options have to give to. Yeah. Real quick, they have 23 million in cap space. Can they use up that cap space and then use the mid-level exception, then use the biannual, then use the room, yeah. and then minimum? Yeah, yeah, because – yeah, so those exceptions – uh, you use them once your team is over the cap. Well, well goodness gracious, they can they can sign whoever they want and then still sign a Redick or then still sign a Rozier. Well, they, right. It's just that if let's just say they take their cap space and sign it and give it to like one player, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether whether it's a max or it's a you know twenty three million to Middleton. Mm-hmm. So then you're talking about you get one guy. And then you, you know, have some exceptions and stuff. But like, I don't know what exceptions they have access to. I don't know if they, you know, have have earned the tax and have a lower MLE or. I have no idea, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, we have plenty of time to figure it out. Uh, well, I say that the off season is coming really soon. So. And what's next on the off season schedule? NBA draft. That was a nice transition. Well, well done. I was curious how you're going to how you're going to get there or get us there. That was nice. So, the NBA draft is coming up on Thursday, which is really hard to believe. Um, I feel like I'm always excited for the draft every year, and I get it, you know, into it and with research and all that. And I, despite all the YouTube clips and articles I've read and the podcasts I've listened to, and with all that, I don't know what to think about this class. <laughs> I just. It's like the most confounding uh, draft class I can remember in a long time. It so. really reminds me of 2016 a lot. Oh, re- refresh me. That one was... 2016 was Simmons-Ingram, and then it went to the next level, which was Jalen Brown, Dragon Bender. Oh, here we go. Chris Dunn, Buddy Heal, Jamal Murray, Marquise Chris, Jakob yep. Pertle, and Thon McCurr. Um. Also in that draft, let's see. DeMontis Sabonis went 11th. Torian Prince went 12th. But you 12th. see what I'm saying. You have yeah. like the definitive top two. In this draft, you could say top three. And then it was just like, okay, let's start throwing darts. Man, in that draft, the 27th pick, right in, okay, after Bryce Johnson, after Furkan Korkmaz, after Malachi Richardson, Toronto Raptors looked at Pascal, Pascal Siakam. Ah, I stole it from you. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm just saying, like, wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So, Well, let's just your dive take into this, this real yeah, quick. Yeah, like, what's your take on this draft? I'm kind of curious. We also have been holding back some uh, our, our personal draft opinions from one another because we have a, a league basketball. that we'll be talking about together, a fantasy NBA league. And so if you want to go ahead and give away your insights first, I'd love to hear them. Oh, i go ahead and do it. Okay, so number one pick, uh, Roy Hachimura? I would say that's probably a stretch. Probably a, stretch. a stretch forward, just like Rory? <laughs> no, obviously Zion. I I personally do think that he is going to be a 
10 magnitude. Like, he's going to come into the league. I think he can be an all-star level player his first year because of his physical ability along with his skills. Blake Griffin is the absolute floor, really, to me, and his ceiling is uh, face of the NBA through the 2020s. I, I, I just think he's he's that special. So, I mean, do you disagree? So, first of all, so we're, we're I just like wanted a, you to say no because it's easy. No, I don't think it's easy. First of all, we're gonna do like a, I guess like a quick mock draft of the lottery. Let's say that'd be good. Pretty much, um, yeah. Trying to give, and we'll just give some different you know thoughts and things here. Uh, Zion, I think his floor is Larry Johnson. Just right. to give a shout out to a guy that was a physical freak, but still lacked about 30, 40 pounds. Compared to, compared to Zion's, you know, 280, 285, good lord. Um, you and I debated who was a more impressive college or draft prospect between Zion and Anthony Davis. And um, I chose Anthony Davis because he's an actual national champion and Final Four participant. Uh, unlike Zion. Whew, sorry, that was a good, that was a good burn. Shot, I'm not, I know. Actually, I'm, not, I'm not sorry. That was a good burn. That felt, that felt good. <laughs> but no, I, I think truly in terms I, I never thought that Anthony Davis would turn into this kind of offensive player. Right. I, I actually he exceeded my expectations um on the offensive end. Zion can be whatever the heck he wants to be. He can become Charles Barkley. Uh I would say that's actually a pretty high ceiling. That is uh, the but, that's arguably the highest ceiling unless he reaches LeBron level. You know Charles Barkley in like from eighty 80- I think it was 82 to 87 led the league each year in two point percentage on like crazy uh, attempts. Like Charles Barkley was a stud when he was. He was an absolute freak who gets sadly uh, really underrated, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, no, he's a, he's a monster. So um, no, I think Zion goes number one to the Pelicans and it's, yeah, they will. We've seen the celebration videos of, the NBA draft lottery night when the Pelicans front office employees they all saw their number one and they lost their they lost their crap. I think yeah. it was the marketing employees that had the most excitement because <laughs> now they can you know now they can market that guy. Yeah, I think Charles Barkley is the best like comparison that you can say on the high end. So, um, just to give kind of perhaps a, a possible forecast, we'll just say this: in the nineteen ninety three NBA Finals. Charles Barkley against Michael Jordan and the vaunted Bulls. He averaged 27 points a game uh, with 13 rebounds, five and a half assists, and a steal in a block. Oh my gosh! I know. So, so if that's Zion, then you know the Pelicans are really happy. Yeah. So, uh, number two pick would be Memphis. This has to be Ja Morant, no doubt, right? Can Can I tell you what I love about this so much? Yes. There were. I, there were the top three. I wanted it to go a certain way. I wanted Atlanta to get Zion. I wanted Cleveland to get Barrett, and I wanted Memphis to get Jaw. And I'm so glad Memphis can get Jaw because he's a perfect fit. Memphis is a small market full of blue collar hard workers, and for them to get an exciting superstar with that same pedigree, a small town in South Carolina, wasn't heavily recruited, went to Murray State, which is a small town. Murray's a small town in Kentucky, and he is able to make it and shine there. He's just the perfect star 
for Memphis and for him to compliment Jaron Jackson Jr. so well, it is other than Zion, it's the biggest no brainer of the draft to me. Yeah. I'm just excited because uh, you know, to transition from the Mike Conley grit and grind era and then to go ahead and have him pair up with JJ with Jaron Jackson Jr. is just excellent. They're gonna be fun. Um, They'll be really fun, absolutely. So, and that's not a term that we've associated much with Memphis. So, you know, from grit and grind to the to who knows, you know, a fast transition team and uh, switchable with with that combo, it's been really really fun. So, looking forward to it. Uh, Maybe if you mentioned you fly, wanted who knows? you wanted RJ Barrett to go to Cleveland, but what do you think about him in New York? I think it's not a done deal. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's I, hear this. I really think that. If New York's sitting there at three and they have R.J. Barrett, now the team construct they have now, I really like the DSJ, R.J., Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson at center and finish, you know, figure out that two, three, four mix that you're going to have. But this isn't the team they're probably moving forward with. They pro- they're always trying to become relevant and change. And if that ends up being that DSJ doesn't fit – or one of these guys, Darius Garland has gotten a lot of buzz, and they want Kyrie, and they're probably not going to get Kyrie. Yeah, I doubt it. Do they want that type of player? Do they want maybe Darius Garland to come and fill that role? Do they maybe love, let's say, I mean, this is a stretch, but Jarrett Culver, maybe they think, or Kobe White, maybe they think he's the best scoring guard in the draft? You know, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I just don't think it's set in stone. Do I think it's the most likely scenario? Yes, I think it's the most likely scenario that R.J. Barrett goes third, but I don't think it's a lock. That's interesting. Okay, I do. I'm not okay. saying they should. I'm not saying they should. I do think that like Barrett and Knox, for example, you could see them potentially uh, kind of overlapping somewhat as some. They are like inefficient forward scores with. You know, a lot of potential, but they're not sure things. Um, it's I, just I, I think that Barrett's going to be more of the take a lot of shots and efficiency's going to be there. I think Knox will end up being okay. But do you want to hear my first of my two trade uh, Let's scenarios? Let's hear it. I'm, you've been hyping this up all day. I'm excited. So this is what I think. If you're Cleveland, and it seems like they might be okay to sit at five, I think – Cleveland and Barrett is a perfect fit in a lot of ways. And I won't bore you with why I think that is. I'll just say what I think they could do to get up to that third pick. The New York Knicks are hoping to get Kevin Durant. That's not a sure thing. And they're probably out on Kyrie. So you struck out there too. And their biggest fear is, is or Knicks's fans' biggest fear is to get like Tobias Harris and Chris Middleton or like Kimba and Tier C free agent, right? Yeah. What if you protect yourself on both ends? What if Cleveland offers the number five pick and Kevin Love to move up to three? And then the Knicks have Kevin Love. Poor guy, man. Just since LeBron, you know, no, um, because that way, if you get another star, you can – like if you think you may strike out, you only have to hit on one guy now. And you can build around Kevin Love, who I think 
with how he's gotten in shape and the way he's recovered from the injury, he might return back to a top 20 player. I don't think that's inconceivable. That's, no, that's actually a fair point. He he looked pretty good at the end of the season when he came back. Exactly. So. So you're and if saying he was that... a free agent, well, here's what uh. I'm going to say. If he was a free agent, they might target him anyways. So why not assure yourself the first guy by trading for Kevin Love and getting the fifth pick so you also keep an asset? Yeah. And then Cleveland starts over. They use Barrett as their go-to scorer. Colin right? Sexton, R.J. Barrett backcourt. That's what you're building your team around going forward. I will say, that, no, that, no, that's a good idea. That's intriguing. I am suddenly, that I just thought about it, I'm worried about, in New York, Dennis Smith Jr. and R.J. Barrett fighting over shots. <laughs> that's... Ooh, that's not going to be good. Yeah, and especially since neither can really space the floor. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and that it's... way you can, even if your team's different, or let's say that they say we'll take love, we'll sign Kimba, and we'll just build these veterans around the young players until the young players catch up. Essentially, go to number five, get DeAndre Hunter, or get Jarrett Cole, was... or get you know one of those guys. I was going to say. I actually think that Hunter would be the perfect kind of player for them because he is a off-ball, defensive-minded, you know, player who brings that mental toughness and edge. And then, he, of course, he has some offensive skills. He can certainly help from a complementary standpoint. Shot but he would actually eight percent from three last year. Right, but he would give them that glue guy kind of that they don't have. It's just that at the third pick. That's a little rich, but at five, maybe. Maybe it's okay. So, so that um, was just kind of my idea, yeah. but I'll agree with you. R.J. Barrett's who I think is going to go there. Yeah. And, again, as, as a Pacers fan, I am all for the Knicks just wallowing in mediocrity. Um, so the Pel- New Orleans Pelicans are up at number four. and Maybe. Maybe. No, very fair. Quick question. If Atlanta offers you eight and ten, do you take it? No. Oh, see, okay. I disagree with you completely. I take it because in this draft, I think the talent from like four to 10, eight, 10, 12 is pretty uh, just comparable. Yeah. Just, well, because, go ahead. just because we don't know who's going to be good in this draft. So for me, if I'm doing a youth movement in New Orleans, there's not a guy that I love. Like, like at four, if they wanted to Garland or someone, they have a point guard. They got Lonzo, right? So I would just say I'll take two of these dudes. One could be a starter, one could be a bench role player, and, we'll, you know, this is more bias of the apple. Um, also, Atlanta has the 17th pick, too. So um, that would be actually my pre- preference for New Orleans, is to trade down, get a few more picks, um, and just really go youth movement and just try to grab as many guys as they can. I mean, I like where you were at. So. I, I kind of like where you're at, but at the same time, I think if you're thinking in reality, if New Orleans is sitting <laughs> in there at floor, floor, oh my goodness, this this mic thing, I, I can't. No, sorry, no. I'm just laughing because <laughs> you said, well, if you're thinking in reality instead, I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for just, just completely dismissing my opinion. But if we're talking in reality, you know. I just mean that oh, like, with the fourth pick, if you're David Griffin, you're going to have some separation. And with the fourth pick, at least you can say – yeah, I might think that the eighth and tenth pick might yield me this, but I maybe he says I really think Garland's going to be an all star. So I could get value, but 
I'd rather stay here and draft the guy I truly think can be an all-star. Now, if he has similar grades all the way through, then yeah, trade down. Um, I was just thinking from his perspective, what would Griffin do? And this draft, it just depends on the roster. And I think with New Orleans roster, yeah, I like what you're thinking. Can you go to 8 and 10 and get uh, Cam Reddish and Bull Bull? You know, yeah. and really have some high talent gambles, and it's like, yeah, you can, unless you think one of these guys is just a stud. Or then Goga. you stay there and take him. Or Goga, 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 Goga. I hope that guy makes it. That's such a fun name to say. Um, if they stay at we... four, who who would you yeah. like to see? John Deere Hunter. Culver um... would Culver would be nice too, you, because he he can play make. But he's not a great shooter, mm-hmm. um, and they need, they kind of need some shooting. I, I just think you take a guy at the wing spot who is really versatile and can rebound and defend and hit threes, uh, that's a nice player I want around Zion. I think it would be 51-49 Garland over Hunter for me. Okay. And the reason why is because you want to get players – like I love Hunter – for what he can do, but if you have Zion, I feel like it's more beneficial to get a high potential scar scoring guard. Yeah. That way you can complement Zion. Like at the end of the game, if it's Zion and DeAndre Hunter, it's just gonna be two or three guys packing the paint on Zion. But if Garland proves to be that he can be the score that everybody thinks he can, then you've got a guy at the end of games that can help complement Zion to get those clutch buckets. Good point. That's so, fair. I, I think we're on the same path. Yeah. Um, let's say Cleveland. Um, anything? Any guy that you really want to see there? I mean, I want to see I mean, Barrett, but I'm not I'm, picky. I'm kind of. And also the thing with Hunter, I like. I just think he could be a solid, good player. I don't think he has a ceiling of like a top five player. I'll say that it's just more like he has a high floor, and you know. But you probably mm-hmm. want a ceiling at that point for Cleveland. I would say I'd probably like Culver for them just could be because I think he could potentially become their kind of go-to shot creator, and I don't think they have that on their roster. Right. Um, I, I think he would complement Colin Sexton pretty well. Um, so I'd probably go that way. I, if, if I'm five at Cleveland and the mock draft falls my way, DeAndre Hunter's a no-brainer. Get someone in there that you know is going to be a starter and – Maybe you probably won't be that great with Sexton and Hunter anyway, so then maybe you can get the star next year and really start having a core. Unless the NBA draft lottery just screws them over again. But the, but to be fair, they deserve it. They've they had, had enough. Three number one, they got three number one picks in a decade. They, they did fine. So <laughs> they did fine. Phoenix has to come out with a point guard, right? Yes. Is Kobe White worth number six? You tell me. I don't think so. Yeah, I just – uh, yeah. I like him I'll, a lot as a player in college. Like at North Carolina, I was always like, man, if that Kobe White gets hot, he's insane. But he shot them out of games. <laughs> like he's really streaky. Yeah. So, no, I think I, he's I'm a backup. I think he's like a sixth man in so the NBA. They need to pray that Darius Garland falls to them. Or. 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 The Pelicans okay Lonzo Ball getting traded to the Phoenix Suns for six. Man, can I just say that Lonzo Ball would help Devin Booker's career so much? <laughs> he would help DeAndre Ayton's. He would help Mikhail Bridges. Josh Jackson might even get a rena- renaissance. Yeah, it 
it's too perfect not to work, but it'd be interesting if New Orleans really thinks that Lonzo's the guy instead of getting the sixth pick and just kind of building around the top of this draft. Yeah. No, actually, I think that Lonzo would be perfect for Phoenix. He's he, he's exactly what they need. They don't need a bunch of on-ball people and, and you know shot creators, and they get Booker and Aiton for that. And then, and then 14 small forwards. Yeah. <laughs> they need an unselfish point guard playmaker that can put everyone around and they can defend too. Because, um, you know, that's not Booker's game. Right. So, Any comment but, um, on the Bulls? Seven. So you're looking like more backcourt with them. Uh, I've heard some – there were just some rumors that came out that they were looking for Jackson at Jackson Hayes a little bit. Hmm. I would just laugh if they have – in three consecutive seasons they go – Big, big, big with, you know, Lori and Wendell and then... Philadelphia 76ers model. Right. And I'm like, you know, the, I love uh, Lori and Carter as well, but in today's NBA, you're not winning with a bunch of bigs. You need some guys, you know, some guards and stuff. So I would say a guy like Hunter or Culver would be nice for them. Um, maybe even for Chicago, you got high, you go high ceiling with, uh, I think it's Sekou Dumboya. Mm-hmm. That's how I've heard his or name. Cam Reddish. You know, like, or I, Cam think, Reddish. I agree. Yeah. I think a one, a one, two, or three, uh, even though they got Otto Porter, I think you can really just, as long as you get someone that can play on the perimeter that you believe in, that's all they really should go for. Right. So, um, you've been the yeah. Hawks guy, so I want you to do eight and ten, and I'm going to get in a nine. With I, I really think if if Reddish falls here, you just take him, and he could become a humongous bust. He could become Jabari Parker two point um, on a worse scale <laughs> without the rebounding. Uh, Jabari without the rebounding, good lord. Uh, but it's you know with, with these kind of players who are highly rated in high school and. They go to the wrong school for a year, and you know a lot of them can excel in the NBA. He has a profile, man. That you, you look at that guy and wonder, wow, can he become Danny Granger? Can he become Paul George? Um, you know, or will he become Jabari Parker without rebounding? So, I think the um, thing that opens my eyes about Cam mostly is that there was a video I saw on Facebook where they, where they, as in whatever media outlet it was interviewed high school players in this year's and next year's recruiting class. And they asked them all, who was the toughest guy you faced in high school? I think three out of the five interviewed said Cam Reddish. Yeah. So, so no, that, I think that tells pick, me all I need to know. personally. Pick, yeah, I agree. I think a pick eight, it's worth it. And also they need some forward help. You know, they have, yeah. no, no, I forgot. They, they got rid of Tori and Prince. Yeah. So, uh, but even then, they have Herder, they have Trey Young, they have Don Collins. Um, I would go with a wing creator and a shooter. I, I think he's worth it there. If he's not there, then you're hoping that Culver, um, maybe maybe like a nastier little, you know, yes. if you believe in his athleticism or something. So, I think there's a lot of ways they can go. I mean, just to oh. me, the Hawks just be smart. Try to build Golden State 2.0. You got Trey Young and you got Kevin Herter. Don't mess that up. Just keep sure. building guys that fit that 3 and D uh, style. Good point. Speaking of don't be dumb, let's go to the Wizards. <laughs> okay, so this is where I'm ready to cook. Okay, let's let's uh, let's eat. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> With the Lakers controlling the fourth pick, it, it makes it this much harder. Okay. Yep. But the trade that I see, especially if Masai Ujiri comes over 
or if whoever gets that job really wants to start over and make their own team. And just so you know, I really think that um, Bradley Beal is a great piece. I'm afraid that he's going to demand a trade out. So get ahead of the curve. See if you're New Orleans, you can flip Lonzo for the sixth or seventh pick to either Phoenix or Chicago. Offer up the fourth pick, the sixth or seventh pick, and Brandon Ingram and say, here you go, Washington, give us Bradley Beal. Who says no? Well, I mean, maybe the Wizards. Maybe, but yeah. Oh, if you can pair him with New Orleans, good Lord, with you know, with, with Drew, Drew, with Zion. And, and Zion, yeah. That would be great. if you're Washington, you need to rebuild. Wall's pretty much over with. And even if he comes back, I don't think Beal wants to stay and play with him. So this way you get three top ten picks. You get to pick whoever you want that's available on the board, and they're all going to be top ten prospects on your board. And you get to start over. And you get to clear – because they're they're in salary cap hell too. In a lot of ways, so oh, yeah. this is the easiest way to figure, start figuring out who's going to usher you into 2020. Yeah, when your team has both the John Wall, the John Wall contract, and the um, oh, who's their center, Ian Mahimi contract, mm-hmm. you're pretty much a cap hell, <laughs> uh, and you're paying Bradley Beal deserved money, but still. So I thought you'd like that deal a little more than you did. I guess no, if you're Washington, you just don't think that's enough in return. I don't think it is. Not for Beal. Uh, Beal was inches away, I believe, from making the All-NBA team this season. Um, But, I mean, you're getting – you keep your top ten pick. You get two top ten picks and Brandon Ingram, and you can kind of form your team around there. But I get what you're saying. I'm not – I'm not an Ingram big believer. And also, two top ten picks in a normal draft? Sure. Like last year's draft? Sure. Or in 2017, yeah. This year's draft – not so much. So okay, fair um, enough. But it's, no, it's a good attempt, and I see. I see where you're going. Uh, pick number ten, back to Atlanta. You mentioned that they need to become the Golden State of the mm-hmm. East. I'm going to throw out a, a name that I have not seen mocked here, and just take Tyler Hero. Why not? You've already got Kevin Herter, so then just take Tyler Hero and bet on him becoming another good shooter. And at Kentucky, he actually showed some good defensive chops. Not that he'll ever be a stopper, but he can. I think he can hold his own better than like a Devin Booker. And you just get another shooter. Um, I like that. <laughs> like if you take your front court kind of guy with the eighth pick, then dude, then take Hero. It's in. Why not? He's the best shooter in the dra- remaining in the draft. I would like to counter against you while also agreeing with you at the same time. Is that possible? Can I do both in the I'm same thing? Say, I, I want to see it happen. Let's, let's try this. Okay. So with Tyler Hero, I actually think he's the perfect fit at the two and putting Kevin Herter at the three. You said he was the best shooter remaining, right? I mean, my just, At that point. Can, yeah. you, can you tell me what he shot from three last year? I don't think it was very good. It was like, what, 32%? It was 35.5%. Yeah. I, I'm not going off of percentage, but but yeah, that's a fair point. He didn't shoot as efficiently as we thought he could. I want to give you the three-point percentage of this player, and I want you to name me this player. I'm going to. I already know who you're going to talk 35. about. 35.4% from three is NBA career. Oh. 
He has scored 13.8, 22.1, 24.9, 26.6 um, in I've, the first four years of his career. I have no idea. Russell Westbrook? I don't know. It Well, Russell Westbrook's been in the league for 10 years. It's Devin oh. Booker. Oh, okay. Because okay. Devin Booker came in out, wow. coming out, we all thought he was like this three-point marksman, but he's only shot 35% in his career and actually shot 32% last year from three. So he it's went backwards. But it's that he's six six. He can play make with the ball. He can get in the lane and get free throws. Guess who that is identically? Ding, ding, ding. Tyler Hero. Yeah. I also, think they are carbon copies of each other. And if I'm a team with a lottery pick, especially late in the top ten, I bank on Tyler Hero having a Devin Booker-like trajectory. And to defend Booker, he has been the only – shot creator on a horrific, terrible Phoenix Suns team. So I would think that some of the, those three-point deficiencies come from just volume. Uh, we've seen Devin Booker's 470 and all this. Was like, he can score, right? right. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's just me. I, I think Tyler Hero's good there. Um, and even I'm not even saying that like he and Herter would compete with one another or they both would start. Even if one's just like a bench player, like a six-man, just get more shooters. Uh, they that's what NBA teams want. So yeah, um, I mean, I'm just, of, I was just super gun ho with that comparison. No, I've, good. Been, I've been sitting on that one for months. Uh, how about a team in eleven in Minnesota who really needs shooting, and now Tyler's gone. I, I'm I, Minnesota's fine. Minnesota, Charlotte, which poor Charlotte, they are in such bad shape. Anyone can stick a lime in and, here. And um, Sam Adams, whoops. we brew with lime. Plus I'll just Charlotte say this real quick. Minnesota, PJ Washington would be nice. Uh, I think he can shoot. He's a pretty versatile forward, and he would be kind of nice next to the town. So True. I like okay. him there. Charlotte, yeah, I don't. Rui Hachimura, maybe Jackson Hayes. I don't know. Shoot they need more centers, man. right? Just get get uh, Ganga or Dumbaya, the French kid. Anything that's like an unknown high potential, just go right, man. Right. Uh, la- what's the last pick of the lottery? Who's it's that? It's Boston. Oh, we skipped over the Heat too. Poor Heat. But the Heat at thirteen. Uh, trying to think of their front court. They lost Tyler Johnson. They could use a guard. I say they what? got Josh Richardson and Gorn. I'll say I like Kelvin Johnson there. Actually, I do too. So Boston, what's Boston going to do? They have three first round picks. One of them's 14. I mean, what, what are they looking at here? 14, 20, um, 22. <laughs> I don't think this team needs three young first round guys coming. Uh, so pray to goodness that they can just trade up and, or trade back into, into the future and, you know, keep the assets rolling. So, yeah, uh, and it's interesting though. If let's just say hypothetically that Beal for Ingram four and six went through, okay, yeah. you could trade either four or six, package all those to Boston, then you have five first round draft picks and Brandon Ingram to start your rebuild. That's not bad. Yeah, and also to be fair, if they do lose Kyrie and let's say Horford, Horford has a player option, so he he might return, but he might not. Um, and if that happens, then all of a sudden they're looking at their team is young again. They're not this title contender. They're trying to buy Tatum and Brown and Smart and and then not really a whole lot more. So maybe they would actually need to keep some picks then. And then you kind of just go high potential, right? You know, you take Bull Bull, you take Romeo Langford, you take maybe a Brandon Clark or yeah. uh, Nick Claxton. Like you I just, agree with all those. Or, or Kevin Porter. You just 
yeah. you just go with like high potential. You hope that two of them hit. Um, Completely agree. So I feel like Boston's really kind of messed up with their asset management, but um, it'll be a fun draft. And if you yeah. look at the last couple of years, um, you'll have to refresh me about last year. I don't think any players got traded or big name players, but the year before that was Jimmy Butler. The year before that was Serge Ibaka and Victor Oladipo. So there's going to be a name or two moved during the draft that we're not going to expect. It would be nice to kind of spice up this somewhat underwhelming class with some sweet NBA draft night trades. I love that. I'm so, so. excited. Uh, with that, we're going to kind of wrap up with the final segment we do. It's called the final possession. So, you know, just thinking back to the end of the game, uh, this is where just you and I are going to give just independently, uh, like ESPN sports reporter style. We're just going to give our own little take on a basketball topic, and we can't counter to each other. Which is hard to restrain, <laughs> but but that's the beauty of the segment. So, um, I'll lead off here with my final possession. It's going to be about Kawhi Leonard and what he pulled off in these finals and what it means. Um, by him winning a second NBA championship, uh, certainly the first one as as a bona fide lead dog, uh, leading the playoffs and scoring and in win shares. Um, Pair that with his, or combine it with his second Finals MVP already. <laughs> He's 27. That's crazy. But also uh, two Defensive Player of the Year awards. That puts him in elite company. It's with only one other player in history that's done that. And that's Akeem, the Dream Olajuwon, who is my favorite NBA legend. So you look at his accolades and whatnot, and I've just been kind of forecasting like where does this put him? Kawhi is really strange in an interesting way because. He's not this wonderkind like Kevin Durant or LeBron James who, or even guys that didn't quite reach the highest level like Carmelo Anthony, uh, where we thought they would become these all-time greats. And then we just waited in, in their careers to kind of see it come to fruition. Kawhi wasn't that. He was the 15th pick to the Indiana Pacers, my hometown team, who traded him away. We'll move on <laughs> and uh, shed a tear. Um, and he came into col- or he came into the pros without a jump shot. And somehow that guy now has the mid-range game closest to Michael Jordan that I have seen, uh, or at least you know, we'll say Kobe Bryant. I'm not trying to ruffle some feathers, but the closest to Kobe or MJ, absolutely lethal from anywhere on the court. He is maybe the most like maybe the strongest kind of wing player or him and LeBron maybe, and just how he just pushes people over and he maintains his balance. He, he controls the game. He controls the pace. Uh, and what he did to go through a really talented Sixers team and get four bounces in game seven to go his way. And then to, to surprisingly, I think to a lot of us, to take down the MVP, the likely MVP, and Giannis uh, pretty handily. You know, they beat the Bucks in four straight wins, which is really impressive. And then to lead his team to the finals and beat a Warriors team uh, with some all-time greats. And uh, that, that is incredibly impressive. And so it's strange because we didn't see this ascension to greatness really coming from Kawhi. And also he's lost a season to injury. Um, he had his reputation kind of hurt. He was injured critically in the Western Conference Finals in his best uh, playoff run as a lead dog back in 2017. So... Um, it's just somehow he's here at the cusp of now he's the best player in the league 
and uh, Elise came to that title and is, has the accolades of a top 20 guy uh, without the longevity. It's really weird, and it's really cool. And that's the beauty of basketball to me when we can get some surprises. And I think Kawhi is just what he did. It was a wonderful surprise, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where his career now goes uh, from here. So that's my final possession, and Angela, I'll hand it over to you. I'm going to introduce something that's never been done on the old podcast or this one. But for my final possession, I want to do two-on-one fast break, and it's me and you, the two, on one question. The one thing I didn't get to during this podcast was a trade idea that I had for the Lakers. And I think financially it wouldn't work no matter what they could do, but I thought it was an intriguing uh, thought exercise. Do you remember what Houston offered the Timberwolves for Jimmy Butler? No. Oh, uh, four first-round picks? Yes. Okay. That's what it was. If you're the Lakers, and let's say you can't certifiably get a third star, you traded all those future firsts away for Anthony Davis, would it be worth for the player he is now and the rest of his contract if they were offered, we'll trade you Chris Paul and four first-round draft picks? Would you take that contract on, pair him with LeBron and Davis, kind of take yourself out of the cap game for three years while also acquiring a third all-star essentially, even though he's on the downside of his career, but you recoup all the draft picks that you essentially lost? Would that intrigue you if hypothetically you had the cap space as Rob Plinka? I have a pained expression on my face. Kind of thinking like you asked me basically – would I like to have a free drink of uh, early times bourbon? It's like, mm, it's free, <laughs> but not really. <laughs> so uh, I guess, yes, if you're going to recoup the draft picks because you need those cheap young contracts, ultimately. Uh, and the trade essentially would be you've traded away Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram and a first for Anthony Davis and Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, Sounds better like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I guess it's better because you don't lose the draft picks. Yep. But like I said, it's like it down to bourbon. It's just not really desirable. Yeah, and they don't have the cap space. I think Chris Paul's at like $38 million, so even if they get the max room, they can't afford them even then. Yeah. I guess they could send over Wagner and Bonga, and it could work. But that's the, yeah, that's really interesting to me, just something oh. I thought about earlier. Oh, sorry, I just I don't know. <laughs> poor Chris Paul, poor guy, he's falling off pretty quick. So, yep. so with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this uh, first return episode of the Airwood Basketball Hour. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. You can find our podcast on iTunes and every uh, podcast host site you can find. So, uh, please tune back in next time, and hopefully, we'll cover a very entertaining NBA draft.